And joining me now is the vice chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee, Republican Senator from Florida, Marco Rubio. Senator, thanks so much uh, for joining us this morning. Um, I know the NATO alliance is very important to you. Uh, you just pushed and got legislation to require the advice and consent of the Senate or an act of Congress before any president could suspend, terminate, or withdraw U.S. membership from NATO. So I want you to take a listen to something Donald Trump said yesterday on the campaign trail. The presidents of a big country stood up and said, well, sir, uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay? You're delinquent? He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. Um, you've endorsed Donald Trump. Uh, are you comfortable with him suggesting that he wouldn't defend NATO countries and actually he would invite Putin and Russia to invade them? Well, that's not what happened, and that's not how I view that statement. I mean, he was talking about something, a story that he talked about happened in the past. By the way, Donald Trump was president, and he didn't pull us out of NATO. You know, in fact, American troops were stationed throughout Europe, as they are today. They were then as well. But he's telling a story, and frankly, look, Donald Trump is not a member of the Council of Foreign Relations. He doesn't talk like a traditional politician. And uh, we've already been through this now. You'd think people had figured it out by now. What he's basically saying is, if you, if you see the comments, he said NATO was broke or busted until he took over because people weren't paying their dues. And then he told the story about how he used leverage to get people to step up to the plate and, and become more active in NATO. He's not the first American president. In fact, virtually every American president at some point in some way has complained about other countries in NATO not doing enough. Um, you know, Trump's just the first one to express it in these terms. But I, I have zero concern because he's been president before. I know exactly what he has d done and will do uh, with the NATO alliance. But there has to be an alliance. It's not America's defense with a, a bunch of small junior partners. Some of these are big countries with big economies. Many of them are doing more. The Germans mm -hmm. are doing a lot right now. So let, let's, uh, let's talk about the role of the U.S. when it comes to uh, leadership. Um, the, the U.S. Senate, as you know, is going to hold a procedural vote later today on legislation to provide aid uh, to Israel and to Ukraine uh, after that uh, bipartisan border bill uh, was killed earlier this week that was originally part of that package. How do you explain to leaders of Israel and Ukraine, both of them countries in the middle of wars, uh, who say they need United States help, why you're going to vote against this legislation, why you oppose giving them the help, the aid that they need? I don't oppose giving them the help that they need, especially in the case of Israel. And if you put the Israel thing up to, a, uh, if you put Israel aid up to a vote right now, it would pass. I don't even know. Well, maybe a couple of people would vote against it, you know. But, but basically, it would pass very quickly. The problem is Israel's being held hostage, so they could get Ukraine. As far as how do I explain it to them? Before I explain anything to them, I have to explain to my constituents. I have to explain to the people of Florida. I have to explain to the American people because I'm a U.S. senator, and my number one obligation is America. I, if America's not strong, we can't help any of our allies. And I'll have to explain to them why the Senate is going to work all through Super Bowl weekend, which is fine with me. We're going to make a big priority, except on something that's critical to this country, which is the invasion that's going on on our own border, on our own border. We're over, according to a House committee and the documents and the statistics they put out, I think these numbers are low, but let's just use them. 3.3 million people have been released into the country who arrived here illegally. Over 600,000 of them either have criminal convictions or pending criminal uh, charges against them. I mean, this is a huge problem, and it has to be addressed. And they put out a bill. They can call it whatever they want. It wasn't a border security bill. It wasn't tough. And frankly, it was negotiated by three people. I don't begrudge it, but I, I wasn't involved in that negotiation. I didn't even ask for a bill. I asked for the president to reverse the executive orders 
that created this crisis when he took over in January of 2021. Mm -hmm. I want to get to border in a second, but just to clarify something, are you in support of aid to Ukraine? I think if we secure our own border here in the United States, I've said that we should do we should help Ukraine. Look, half the money that's going to Ukraine is not going to Ukraine. It's to buy back our own weapons that we gave them to restock our own shelves. And obviously Taiwan is included there as well. My problem is this. Before we do these things, we have to make America and Americans a priority again. In city after city now, in New York, in Denver, in Chicago, here in Florida to some extent, we are seeing the impact of this migrant crisis, not just on social services, not, not, but, but on the street and, and crime, and, and a crime wave that we have going on. And, and, and now you've got, you know, like the mayor of Denver is now crying because, he, you know, he says the federal government has to send him a bunch of money to help with a migrant crisis. And he says the only people that are not to blame for this are the migrants themselves. Why are we spending all of this taxpayer money to house migrants, feed migrants, accommodate migrants? We have a bunch of needs in our own country for mm. Americans. How is that not our priority? So Americans have to be our priority, and then we can help our allies. So I, I totally hear what you're saying, that you want there to be a, a tougher border. Uh, let's talk about this deal uh, negotiated by Senators Lankford, Murphy, and Cinema. Uh, I understand that you have issues with it. A, a lot of people have issues with it. The National Border Patrol Council, which is the union for Border Patrol agents, which is a very conservative group, they support this legislation. I want you to take a listen to the head of that union, Brandon Judd. I'm going to look at, this. is this bill better than the status quo? And it absolutely is. Nobody can argue that. Nobody can argue that it's not better than what we currently have. Although it's not perfect, it is a step in the right direction. And I would rather have the step in the right direction than nothing. Now, I know you know Brandon Judd, but, but for viewers, this is the head of a union that endorsed Trump strongly in 2020, consistently criticized President Biden. Go check out their Twitter feed. They're, they mock him all the time. They say this is better than nothing. It should become law. Are you saying that the Border Patrol Union is wrong? Yes. If, if, if that's what they still believe, they're wrong. It's not better than nothing. Look, there are some things in that bill that we should do. You know, change the asylum standard and the like. Here's what else the bill, uh, bill did. You know, the bill basically creates an, an asylum corps. Okay, it, it creates a bunch of, you know, thousands of bureaucrats, basically agents, uh, asylum agents, that would be empowered right at the border to either allow people into the country with an immediate work permit. Today, they got to wait six months. You give them an immediate work permit, you're going to have more people coming. That's a huge magnet. Or they have the power to immediately release them and grant them asylum which now puts them on a five-year path to citizenship, which is what a lot of Democrats want. They want to turn a bunch of illegal immigrants into voters, into citizens, into voters, in the hopes that those people will then turn around and vote for them in future elections, grateful because they'll know who let them in. This is, this That's not, a huge problem. That doesn't solve the border. It makes it worse. This doesn't provide a path to citizenship for any of these people, just to clarify. But, but the, it raises... Yes, it does. You, you Absolutely, it does. No, no, yes, it does. When you have asylum, you are on a path to citizenship. An asylum... When you get asylum, you are a year away from a green card and four years away from citizenship. But Absolutely, it but does. you said you approved and, and, and of the asylum. Have the power changes. to grant you asylum, not even a judge, a bureaucrat. But the judges, as you know, are not judges per se. They're immigration judges. They are. It's a different kind of judge. It's an. It's basically an immigration attorney who's empowered to be an immigration judge. You know that. But but the, you you said that you liked the changes to asylum. I mean, they raised the standard for asylum. The people who support this bill say it is uh, much needed. Senator Lankford calls it by far the most conservative border security bill in four decades. That includes, of course, uh, the 2013 c compromise that you negotiated as part of the Gang of Eight. 
this bill uh, would have allowed the administration to temporarily, temporarily shut down the border. It included funding for the border wall. It would have made it much more difficult to claim asylum. It added detention beds. It added ICE agents. It added deportation flights and asylum officers. And it has none of the Democratic priorities that were included no. in your 2013 compromise, such as a path to citizenship. Why isn't that a win for Republicans? Well, first of all, you went through a list of long things that I don't agree with. First of all, it doesn't shut down the border. It creates the ability to shut down the border, but it also gives the president the ability to say, we're not going to do it. The, the emergency is suspended because it's not in our national interest to do this. By the way, you still have to process, I believe, 1,400 illegal immigrants a day, even in one of these emergencies, and it goes away in three years. The other thing it does is it doesn't touch the parole program, which is one of the loopholes the president has used to release all these people into this country. He's paroling them in. That's not even asylum. You talk about the asylum, about the judges, the immigration judges. Here's the difference. Those judges, their decision can be overruled by the attorney general. The attorney general could actually step in and overrule them. These asylum officers that they're this asylum corps they're going to create, they can't even be overturned by the attorney general. These people would have the power right at the border to grant people asylum. And, and a lot of people don't talk about that, but it's right there in the law. It does that. As far as the standard of, yeah, it's good to change the standard, but it's going to be applied. And, and it ultimately going to be applied by an administration that, that has proven its unwillingness to enforce our immigration laws. This entire crisis began in January of 2021 when the president decided for the first time in American history that we were going to release every, virtually 85, 90 percent of any migrant that crossed the border, including right, but this, this single, would change that, single right? men. But this would change that. Isn't this better than no. the status quo? No, it would not change that. How would it change that? It would be not change that. Because it would allow, it would in, allow more people to be uh, turned turn back and, and return to the country they came from because the asylum claim standard is so much higher. It is not so much higher. It, it's, it, again, it's going to be interpreted at the border by people who've shown a propensity to interpret it very liberally. They're, that's the reason why they're letting them in now. Because they're basically saying, we think you might have a chance at asylum, we're going to release you. Now, in the hands of another administration, perhaps that asylum standard could be applied differently. But ultimately, once you have this asylum corps hired by Mayorkas, hired by Biden, put at the border, they're going to be, they will have the power, if they want, they will have the power to either release people pending a future hearing with an immediate work permit, which is going to draw hundreds of thousands of more people into our country, or they are going to be able to give them asylum right there and then, on the spot. And that is a pathway to citizenship. Asylum is a pathway to citizenship.